We're going to open our worship time with prayer. Uh, somebody asked me, what the heck is Acts Prayer? Do you see that in your bulletin? Acts Prayer. A-C-T-S. Adoration, a time in which we address and adore God. Confession, thanksgiving, and then finally supplication, in which we lay out our requests before God. So let's follow this prayer method and let's pray. O God in heaven almighty, the one who holds all things in hand, the source of life itself, the reason for our existence, love come to earth in the person of Jesus Christ. We come before you this morning. We gather to worship you, to tell you that we recognize the ways in which you make beautiful things out of dust. We are made out of dust, and we are a grateful people. Lord, as we gather this morning to worship you, we recognize that there are things that are keeping that from truly being possible, keeping us from worshiping you in spirit and in truth, with humility and authenticity, and that is our sins. The things that we have done this week, the ways in which we've messed up, the ways in which we've just turned a blind eye to what we know to be true and engaged in any way. Maybe things done, maybe things left undone, both intentionally and unintentionally. Lord, we ask you to forgive us. We believe and claim the scriptures that say that if we are willing to confess, you are willing to forgive. And so we confess these things to you right now. Remove them from us as far as the east is from the west, so that nothing stands in the way from us, being in communion with you today, both speaking to you and hearing a word from you, feeling your presence in this place. Lord, we thank you for the ways in which you continue to look after us, even when we turn aside, even when we turn and go astray, that you still pursue us as a shepherd who goes after the one sheep who wanders off. And then you rejoice when you find us. You call a great party in heaven. Look at the one that I found. Lord, we long to be like that. The, the kind of people that just have a love for you as you do for us. To have a love for each other as you do for us. We thank you for that love. We thank you for this opportunity to worship. We thank you for this building. Uh, we thank you for the electricity and the lights. We thank you for the air conditioning and the heating to keep it comfortable in here while we worship. While in so many parts of the world, people who are gathered to worship perhaps are doing it in secret, in hiding, maybe in places that are very uncomfortable, very hot, very cold. And yet here we are in a privileged space where we can worship you openly. We do this with thanksgiving. Help us not to take it for granted. Lord, there are so many among us who are sick right now. This has been one of the worst seasons for illness that I have seen uh, in my life, probably. And I just feel like so many people are coming down with COVID, with flu, coughs, colds strep throat, whatever it is. We've got folks that have been in the hospital, out of the hospital, at home, trying to recover. 
Lord, we just want to pray a blanket prayer upon all of them. Uh, bring them to wholeness and health so that they might return to this congregation, to this body, so that they too might join in this worship. Lord, I recognize that just as individuals, we have things that are weighing down upon us today as we come to this place, really kind of keeping us from being totally present and focused in this hour of worship. And so we want to lift these to you. As we say them out loud, we know that you hear them. But we're going to ask, Lord, that you hear our prayer. I need a Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Tracy and Jack. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Oh, why? Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Brian Turner. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Nima West. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Paul Briggers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Joan Lively. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Jimmy and Cobb. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. John Hafter. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. My mother and myself. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Elaine Wise. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Cindy Glanding. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My sister Becky and my niece Elizabeth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The band. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Stacy. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayers. Grace Church. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. My brother Carol Kelly. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. All the work going on in our building. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. The people in Memphis. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Lord, I'm sure that there are unspoken requests here today, too. And I personally want to lift up, uh, as I have for several weeks in a row now, that you would bring all the wrong people to us. I don't even know how to say that better, but I just sense that there are people who feel they don't belong in church. Uh, they don't fit into whatever nice, neat boxes that they feel they have to be put in to go to a certain place. And, and I don't know. I, I just pray that we could be that church without walls, without boxes, that, that they can come and, and <laughs> be welcome and know Jesus. And so I pray that you would draw them to us. I mean, we can do things to, to try to get the word out, and we will, but I think ultimately it's just going to take a movement of the Holy Spirit just to impress upon them they don't know why, but they're reaching out and they're ending up in our doors. Bring them to us. Lord, we are grateful for this day. May you be glorified in all we say and do today. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Good morning. You saw Susanna. Yes, she's back in the nursery.
Don't worry, for those who were wondering, Susanna is staying. That's the important question. She'll still be here with me for a few months before we move. So. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I have a question for you because when we come up here every single week, you guys are so good about praying out loud with me. What is prayer, though? Who are we talking to? When you pray to God. Yeah, so it's just talking to God, right? And so for years and years, I worked in youth ministry, and there's something that happens when we're teenagers that we just, like, forget how to talk out loud to, to God. And, and you call for you from the group, you know, okay, who wants to close us in prayer? And they do this thing, and they go, don't make eye contact. Don't make eye contact, and then she won't call on you to pray, right? Not all of them, but... A lot of teenagers, but you guys are really good. What what you got to say, Jay? What's up? We learned this in class already. Yes, because y'all had this for Sunday school today too, right? Yes. See, we we coordinate that on purpose. Did you know that our Sunday school lesson matches our sermon and our kids' time? Absolutely. So, what prayer did you learn about in Sunday school today? Pray God can always hear you. Say that from the beginning. That was good. No matter, um, no matter how quiet you pray, God can always hear you. God can always hear you no matter where we are, no matter if we use big fancy words or if we just use simple plain words. It's just like talking to you and I, right? But we're talking to God. Um, so do you guys want to pray a very special prayer with me today? It's called the Lord's Prayer. How many of y'all know the Lord's Prayer? It starts, Our Father. Do you remember that one? So we're going to pray a prayer that's a little bit different. It's got some big words in it, but it's okay because we're talking about it in children's church today too, okay? All right, so let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes, and we're going to use a very special prayer. If you guys would pray with me today. Say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys. Well, we coordinate all this stuff, right? So guess what we're going to be reading about today? <laughs> you guessed it, the Lord's Prayer. We're in Matthew chapter 6. This is a continuation of the Sermon on the Mount, which we started last week in chapter 5. Don't worry, there's another chapter after this. The sermon was a long sermon, but we're going to be reading part of 6, verses 7 through 21. Listen now for a word from the Lord. When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And whenever you fast, do not look dismal like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces so as to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that your fasting may be seen not by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust consume, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust consumes, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. A word from God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, may your word be proclaimed through me, or perhaps in spite of me this morning. Amen. So, I want to know if any, and you can raise your hand at this. This is interactive here. Uh, has anybody in here heard of the sacred Enneagram? Sacred Enneagram. Elena has. Shocker. Ken has, because he was here in the first, Emily has. They were here in the first service. The sacred Enneagram, it's a personality type test. Okay, who knows Myers-Briggs? Who has taken Myers-Briggs for work? INTJ, EFPQ, those letters. Never heard of that? How about Berkman? You taken Berkman before? Ah, okay, Clifford's taken Berkman before. Uh, Stacy, you've taken Berkman? Okay. There's like all these uh, uh, personality type tests that are out there, and, you know, Chevron uses one, and, and uh, the United Methodist Church uses another. It just kind of depends on what your company, but usually, usually a corporation will test its employees to kind of know uh, what personality type they are so that they can put them in the best place possible to be most effective. Uh, and so the, the Enneagram is a personality type test, but is much, much older than Myers-Briggs or Berkman or, or any other test that you might be familiar with. In fact, some people think that the Enneagram was kind of first came out of mysticism, like Christian and Jewish mysticism in the fourth century. But it just kind of laid dormant for a long time until the 1970s when a couple guys found it and, and kind of revamped it for modern use. And so uh, the way that, that you talk about the Enneagram, there's nine personality types, as you can see here, represented in this wheel. So a, number one might be called a reformer, the helper, the achiever, the individualist, the investigator, the loyalist, the enthusiast, the challenger, the peacemaker, and then you've got these lines drawn in there because they believe that certain numbers are uh, connected in certain ways to other personality types. So I'm a type 9. I may be uh, what they would say in retrograde. I might be uh, drawn to a loyalist or, or the way that a loyalist works. But if I'm in good health, I might look more like a number 3, an achiever. Uh, and then they also have wings. So um, nobody is, is solely one number. You're primarily one number, 
but you lean one way or the other. So I am a nine wing eight. Um, I, I'm a peacemaker, but if you push me, I will challenge you, okay? Um, and so it's just kind of an interesting uh, thing, and it has its roots in, um, in spirituality. And so it's a little bit different than the Myers-Briggs or Berkman or, or some of those other ones that were just kind of developed in the secular world. Uh, now, now, studies have been done. People have come up with all kinds of uh, ways to talk about the Enneagram numbers. But I was kind of this week, uh, since we were talking about prayer, I was kind of interested in communication, uh, how you would um, classify certain Enneagram numbers on, on how they communicate specifically. And I found this website that, that uh, showed some. Now, this is, this is somebody's uh, interpretation of the Enneagram. But here's an Enneagram 2. Okay, so if you were talking to, if you are an Enneagram 2, or if you were talking to somebody who's an Enneagram 2, uh, I may not open up about how I'm really doing, even if I want to talk about it. Asking questions and encouraging me can help, though I'll probably still try to turn the conversation back to you. Uh, that, this person who created this is saying, you might see that in a 2. Uh, the last one says, I'm multidimensional, my sweet, affectionate side is often apparent, but I can also be bold, snarky, funny, and et cetera, okay? So, it's kind of interesting. Now let's look at a, a five. This is an Enneagram five. Don't pressure me to participate. I often enjoy sitting on the sidelines and observing. Sometimes I don't share my initial thoughts or I may respond with, I don't know, because I have more thinking to do and prefer to carefully articulate my thoughts. Be patient as I thoroughly process. It's worth it. Uh, silence does not imply agreement. If I'm silent, it might be because I'm tired or frustrated or haven't thought things through. Okay, so this is just, this is just some, some ways to talk about Enneagrams. I think that I'm probably a nine. Now, now everybody, when you, when you study the Enneagram or take a test, uh, it, it'll come up. The computer will tell you what it thinks you might be. But really, at the end of the day, you are supposed to read through all the Enneagram types and decide what you are. Nobody should, uh, they say, that nobody should tell another person what they are. You leave that up to the individual. But I, I think I'm a nine. And so I, I read through this list. I often don't interject when I have something to say. I might be waiting for a long enough pause to say something. That's true. If I'm quiet, it's not because I don't have something to say. I just may be waiting for a pause. Uh, with some decisions, I'm fine going, going along with the majority opinion. But I appreciate it when you check in with me before assuming I'll go along with whatever. Boy, that's true about me. Uh, the last one, it's really natural for me to look for where we agree. I love the sense of commonality we can experience when we focus on how we're alike. I would much rather look at how we're alike than how we're different and fight over that stuff. Um, so it's just kind of interesting. Now, I was talking with Ken uh, before the first service, and he, he said, you know, he taught some courses at TVCC on personality types, and it was his belief that, that you can kind of see yourself in any description that's thrown at you. So he did this little experiment where he created a test and then created fake uh, answers and gave them out to the students and had them read them, and they were like, this is me. This is me right here. It nailed it. It nailed it. So take it for what it's worth, you know, but I think the Enneagram is kind of cool, uh, and I've looked at it more than any of the other personality types, and I started wondering this week, okay, if, if we were talking about the Enneagram, what Enneagram number is God? That was the first thought that I had. 
So Jesus is, is still preaching this Sermon on the Mount thing. He's teaching the disciples, although we know the crowd was kind of eavesdropping behind. And at this point in the sermon, Jesus thinks it's a good idea to teach the disciples how to pray. And so he, he wants to let them know that there is a right way to pray and there's a wrong way to pray. And the wrong way to pray is, like Chuck said in the video, uh, with uh, an air of wanting to be noticed and observed. You go out on the street corner and go, Oh, Lord in heaven, I am praying out loud. May these people know it. That's the wrong way to pray. He says, if you find yourself uh, going to the dictionary for all the biggest words that you can find so that you can string them together in this prayer so that God will hear you, that's the wrong way to pray. Jesus is saying, these are ways, do not pray like this. Other people pray like this, don't do it. He says, look, God already knows what you need. Just keep it simple. Don't waste your time on long prayers. And so I started thinking, okay, what is Jesus saying about God here? What's the claim that's being made about God? Is Jesus saying that God doesn't like small talk? Is Jesus saying that God is uh, uh, pretty busy and so he would rather we just cut to the chase, just get to the point. Because God's going, I ain't got time for this. So if you're going to tell me something, make it quick. Because i got a million people praying. Is Jesus saying that God wants us to get right to the point? And so I started flipping through those communication styles. Here's an Enneagram 8. I'm straightforward, so you always know where you stand with me. You don't need to guess how I feel, and I appreciate the same in return. Does that sound like what Jesus is describing here? Just get straight to the point. Just straight up, straightforward. We ain't got time to mess around. That's how I'm going to be with you, so I appreciate if you be that way with me. And some of these others are kind of funny. It's frustrating to be perceived as angry all the time. And it's sometimes frustrating that anger seems like such a bad thing. I can see how anger protects and energizes me. Anyway, maybe God is, a, is an Enneagram 8. And I guess in some ways, I, I find this uh, comforting because it tells me that you don't have to have a, a Ph.D. in prayer to pray to God. Uh, you don't have to know proper sentence structure uh, to pray to God. Your grammar doesn't have to be great with all the punctuation in the place. You don't have to know the longest words. You, you can choose the little ones to pray to God because God, Jesus says, is not impressed or moved by big, grandiose prayers. And to that, I say, praise the Lord. That's good news. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but, but sometimes when I pray, the prayer itself is cathartic. It's healing. Because when I pray, I'm actually working out my feelings and my thoughts in the prayer itself. And so sometimes I find that I ramble on just a bit. You ever do that? Sometimes I find that I'm repeating myself a lot. You ever do that in your prayer? Sometimes I get distracted. I'm praying and then I see a squirrel out the window and I've got to come back to my prayer. Like, is that, is that bothering God? How does God feel about that? Is God okay if I ramble on just a bit, if I talk in circles, if I repeat myself? I thought the best way to answer that question would be to go through the Gospels and look at the prayer life of Jesus himself. And this is what I found when I looked at the prayer life of Jesus. First of all, Jesus prays frequently. 
Jesus prays a lot. And when he prays, it seems like he prefers to go outside and pray. Now, I don't know. He would go up on mountainsides and pray and stuff. I don't know if he felt like the higher he would get, the, the better the signal. or I don't know, but often he was outside praying. But here's one of the things that I noticed. Jesus prayed really long prayers. I think uh, John, the Gospel of John, the whole chapter 17 is one prayer. Look at Luke 6.12. Now during those days, he went out to the mountain to pray, and he spent the night in prayer to God. He spent the night in prayer to God. All night long, he prayed. That is not a short, simple, and sweet, cut-to-the-chase prayer. That's a long prayer. I found that Jesus tended to repeat himself over and over in his prayers. You know the story in the Garden of Gethsemane as he's getting ready to go and be crucified. And he's praying a prayer to God. This is from Matthew 26. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Again, he went away for a second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And he came and found his disciples sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them again, he went and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Three times in a row, Jesus asked for something very specific. I found that Jesus would urge his disciples to be persistent in prayer. In Luke chapter 11, he tells the parable of a man who needs a favor in the middle of the night. And so he goes to his neighbor's house and he knocks on the door and his neighbor is upstairs sleeping. And he says, go away, I'm sleeping. And the guy downstairs keeps knocking and saying, no, this is really important. I need you to come answer the door. I need you to do this favor. And the guy upstairs says, no, I'm sleeping. We'll do it in the morning. And the guy kept knocking. And finally, the guy upstairs says, fine, so I can get some rest. I'm going to come do whatever it is you need me to do. And Jesus uses this to say, be persistent in prayer because when you knock, the door will be opened. God is not like this neighbor that tells us to go away. God is ready to open that door. So be persistent in your prayers. And when I look at this stuff, when I look at, at how Jesus himself relates to prayer, I, I thought, well, if God already knows everything that we need before we ask, if God is not wowed by long prayers, but prefers that we get straight to the point, why would he pray all night long? Why would he repeat himself over and over and over? Why would he teach that we must be persistent in the things that we ask God for? And of course, the answer is that God cannot be put into one Enneagram type box. You see, the sacred Enneagram describes different types of people in all their varieties. And all of humanity in all their varieties are made in the image of God. Which means what? You can answer. What does it mean? If all the varieties of humanity that we see on earth, every Enneagram type is made in the image of God, what does that say about God? God is all of them and more. God is every Enneagram type and more that we can't even 
uh, comprehend, beyond our grasp. You see, God created us with our differences and with our different ways of communicating based on who He is. There is not a human that exists on the planet that doesn't come from the mold of God. That's awesome. That is awesome. So that means that God is like the Enneagram 4 who loves to have those deep conversations. Let, let's talk about the, the nitty-gritty. Let's get down. Let's have meaningful. Let's get past the small talk and let's have some deep, meaningful conversation. It means that God is like the Enneagram 7 who loves conversations to be energetic and upbeat. Tell me something good. Let's go. It means God is like the Enneagram 5 who values complex and highly intellectual conversations. It means God is like me as a 9. God is like you as a 2 or a 1. I think what Jesus is trying to say here as he teaches us the Lord's Prayer is that we can't do anything to make God more attentive. There's nothing that we can do that will grasp God's attention or bend His ear in one way better than another, except, except to do it with humility and authenticity. You see, God always hears us. No matter how quiet you pray, no matter how fast or long, big words, small words, it doesn't matter. God hears you. The question is, are you being authentic with God? Are you trying to impress God, or are you just being yourself? Because if you're, you're yourself, well, God can relate to that. It's His good pleasure to hear and to respond to you. And I wonder, I didn't hash this out for my sermon, but I wonder if God responds in a way that we can understand. If we communicate the way we're made, if God responds in a way that we communicate, right? So, I wonder. So the lesson, I think, in all of this is just be you. When you go to God, when you pray, just be you. That's good enough for God. Speak to Him however it feels natural and rest in knowing that you are exactly as God made you to be. So what I want to close with today is a version of the Lord's Prayer. Uh, we, on Thursday night at, at uh, Theology on Tap, we, we looked at the Lord's Prayer and we just kind of broke it down and spent time talking about it line by line. But then we talked about Eugene Peterson's version in the message translation of the Bible. Now this is a paraphrase. Uh, Mr. Peterson wasn't trying to translate the Bible he was just putting it in his own words. When he reads the Bible, this is, this is what he sees. And so this is Eugene Peterson's own words. And I want to close with this because if it's true that authentic prayer, humble prayer, is the kind of prayer that God accepts, that God hears and responds to, well, this is Eugene Peterson's version. So let's pray this together. Our Father in heaven... Reveal who you are. Set the world right. Do what's best. As above, so below. Keep us alive with three square meals. Keep us forgiven with you and forgiving others. 
keep us safe from ourselves and the devil. You're in charge. You can do anything you want. You're ablaze in beauty. Yes, yes, yes. Isn't that lovely? That's awesome. That's awesome. Pray the Lord's Prayer in a way that is meaningful to you, in a way that's authentic to who you are, and God will hear it. And if you want to know more about the Enneagram, you can Google it. You can take the test. They're free online. This is also a QR code. If you want to point your phone at that right now, Ken is a genius. Uh, the communication types that I showed you, you can see the whole web page with all nine communication types, and you can look and see if you feel like you're one over the other. Or you can take a picture of that and look at it later. Okay? Let's pray. God, as I stand before you right now, I am praying this prayer without any previous practice or thought to what I'm going to say. And yet, I know that if I do this with authenticity, if I pray as the one you made me to be, that you hear this. And so I pray for my brothers and sisters in this room today, the ones who want to know how to pray better, especially in light of uh, so many prayer requests this week, all the folks that are sick. We don't know how to pray for them, and we think that maybe if we pray a certain way or a certain length that maybe you'll hear us, but the truth is, if we just lift them to you by name, it doesn't matter. So we thank you for that. Help us to be authentic with you. Help us to be our true selves. Thank you for hearing us and answering us. And it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. As you go today, will you receive this blessing? May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. May you know that you're perfectly loved, completely forgiven, and uniquely empowered. Now you're called to go out into the world and live as God's faithful children. And guess what? You're probably going to make some mistakes this week, because we all do. But I need you to know there is nothing you can do that would make God love you any less. Because God's love for us is not based on our performance. Your sacred value and your sacred worth is wrapped up in who you were created by, created in the image of God. And so by His amazing grace, He looks at us and says, Beloved, y'all are nothing but the best of the best of the best. Can you imagine what your day would be like if you left here believing that? I think you'd have a pretty good day. So in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, please take that good word and go from this place in peace. Amen. Amen.